From Nashville, Tennessee, Southwestern Family of Companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, we share insights and inspiration for movers and shakers in the world of business. Our goal is to help you increase your self-discipline, overcome procrastination, and help you to take action on all the things that really matter. Communication. It is communication skills we know are one of the most important characteristics that employers look for when they are hiring people. Being a great communicator is a part of being a great leader. Obviously, if you are in any type of sales whatsoever, you have to master your communication skills. But what makes great communication? What are the elements of great communicators and how do leaders use those tools or use those characteristics to influence people to take action. That is what we are talking about on the show today. I've got a friend, Diana Boer, longtime friend, uh, author of tons of books. She is back here on the show. She's got a book that's coming out that's relevant to this topic. And then uh, at the end of the show, I'm going to boil this down, everything that we sort of learned from her. And we, we go through this sort of smattering of scenarios where communication takes place. And we talk about, you know, she shares practical tips for how to communicate better in each of those scenarios. And then after the interview, I'm going to boil those down to this checklist of these six characteristics of what make great communication. And as a part of that, we're going to share a very exciting announcement for you, which is that the brand new southwesternconsulting.com website is live. And we have, over the last few years, gone through a complete rebrand, a logo change, not a name change, but we have a brand new brand promise and a slogan or a tagline, if you will say. And so I'm going to share with you what that is at the end of this episode and use our little uh, checklist of the six things we come up with as a litmus test to make sure hopefully our branding, our new branding at Southwestern Consulting that we have just spent years developing actually passes the test here of some of these fundamentals. But of course, uh, as always, our real goal of this show and every show is to put tools in your hands and concepts and strategies and techniques that you can go out and take action on to create immediate results and improvement and growth in your life. So it's an exciting episode because of the rebrand, because of Diana, because of the application of what the applicability of what you are about to learn. So we're so excited that you're here. We'll get started just after this message. This episode is sponsored by Southwestern Coaching. Southwestern Coaching has helped over 11,000 people increase their incomes by over 25% on average. As a successful salesperson, you know the importance of increasing your sales. But sometimes you might just need a little extra push and accountability to meet your goals and grow your business. Southwestern Coaching will help you increase your income through one-on-one sales and leadership coaching tailored specifically to your needs. Together, we will elevate sales. To schedule your free one-on-one business action planning session with a Southwestern Coach, go to www.southwesternconsulting.com forward slash action catalyst. So Diana Boer is the author of 47 books, uh, which have been published in 60 different languages with uh, nearly 4 million copies sold and is truly one of the most prolific writers on 
uh, communication and specifically leadership communication and sort of executive presence, um, as well as some other things. And we've had her on the show before, but it's been a long time. She has such a track record. I mean, she's been in major media, Good Morning America, USA Today, you know, um, Fox, Forbes, all that kind of stuff. She's done keynotes for some of the biggest companies and brands in the world, and she's in the, the Hall of Fame for the National Speakers Association. And she has a book that uh, just came out called Communicate Like a Leader. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. And specifically, I think some of the, the leadership, you know, some of the communication challenges that leaders face on a daily basis. So Diana, welcome back. Thank you. It's great to be with you. So, uh, First of all, when you talk about leadership, I think a lot of times people kind of group management and leadership together. Um, but you you talk about a distinction, and and I'm curious, like, how do you delineate between those two? Like, what's the big difference between a real leader and then you know a manager? I think really the biggest distinction, and there, there are several that I mentioned in the book, but I think the biggest difference is that the manager is a maintainer. They're, they're interested about maintaining the status quo. They want things to go well, operations to go off without a hitch, but the leader improves the status quo. If, if you think about it like this, if you think about the financial advisor, if you want them to get the same return on your portfolio that you do, you don't really go to them. If you're getting 4% on your money, that's, that's what you can get. But you go to a financial investor and say, hey, I want you to improve the return over what I can get. If they came back to you a year later and say, hey, I'm not, here's what you were getting. I'm doing the same thing. You take your money somewhere else. So you want them to grow something. And that's, that's basically the same thing a leader does. You, you improve the situation over what it was when you took it over. Uh-huh. Well, and you, you talk about people don't leave companies, people leave people. And um, you talk about how the, 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 the boss sometimes causing, causes retention problems and, and they've moved from buddy to bully unintentionally. Can you talk about that a little bit? That's very true, and that's the reason that I basically wrote this book. That is micromanagement. The book is intended to prevent micromanagement. Once I posted something on my Facebook about the the problem of micromanagement, I probably had more comments on that than than probably any other topic when I comment about it because people hate to be micromanaged. And the reason that happens is that somebody has grown up in an organization or in a skill or in a business that are entrepreneur and they have a great product or a great service and they've sold it, but they've sort of grown, the, the business has grown up past their skills. They just, they're, they're good at heart, but they just don't have those leadership communication skills that they need. They're sending mixed messages for whatever reason, and they don't know how to, to manage the people around them. They're just too controlling for whatever reason. I mean, people micromanagement, micromanage because they're, they're, fearful to turn over projects or turn over the control of their clients or turn over an account. And, you know, they've always handled this customer and now they've got too many and they need to hire another salesperson to handle it. Or they just don't know how to delegate for whatever reason. And they micromanage and just 
the person that they're micromanaging grows frustrated. And of course, it's more trouble for the manager because they just get more and more on their plate and they're frustrated and they're not serving their clients well. Are you saying, are you saying that micromanagement is a sign of, of sort of an immature leader or an underdeveloped leader? Like that's, that's what, that's the result of not having a mature leadership competency. It is. It's, it's a sign that things are going wrong. They, they haven't developed that strategic perspective. They need to start thinking more strategically about the long-term effect of what's happening. They're not developing their people. They are becoming themselves less productive. They're driving their clients away because they can't get the service they need, and everybody's growing more frustrated. And so what I did is to write this book and in with that perspective and think, what are the essential leadership skills that a salesperson specifically or an entrepreneur in general would need to get a handle on this so they stop doing it and lead more effectively. And I came up basically with 36 different essential things they need to know. And and that's that's the result. And if they do those things, they're going to prevent that frustration and prevent micromanaging their people. Well, and you the, you talk about the one question that all leaders must have an answer for, and that there is a there is a very much a wrong answer to that question. What's the what's the what's that one question? You know, I'd like to build up a lot of suspense here, Roy. And what is that one question? But people get asked this all the time. And that question is, what are you working on? Think about it. You get asked it in the hallway on the way to lunch. You get asked when you come in, to, you know, if you're sitting in the break room, what are you working on today? And people are tempted to just slough that question off. You know, well, I'm working on X, Y, Z. And they don't answer it with a substantive, meaningful answer. And that means that they don't get the visibility they need in the company. People don't see them as a real leader. They just see them as a an also-ran, so to speak. And the way they should answer it is with a three-part response. And that is, we're working on solving X problem, whether it's a problem with a client or a problem in the organization. We're working on solving X problem. And here's the outcomes that we expect to have. And this will be the benefit to the whole organization. Now, depending on who asks you that question, you might also add, this is how it will affect your timeline and your budget. Not everybody you'll give that answer to. What you don't want to do is give some technical information that only makes sense with jargon that only makes sense to other people you work with, you know, the guy or the gal in the next desk with your own tools and charts and numbers and data. You want to think big picture. That's what strategic thinking is and strategic leadership communication is about. Think about who you're talking to. This is the problem we're working on. This is why it's important to the whole organization. And these are the outcomes that we're hoping to achieve for the organization. And that positions you as a real leader and a strategic thinker. And when you Hmm. start answering that question that way for for your colleagues and other divisions, for your clients, then then they'll start seeing you that way as if you know what's going on for that client, for your suppliers, yeah. for for the general person who you talk with, your colleagues. That's interesting because I think you're 
the two probably mistakes people would make is one is they just go, you know, they did do so like, Oh, I'm just working on stuff. You know, the usual, yeah. like they, they don't answer it or they do what you said, which is they give some in-depth technological explanation filled with jargon, which is like boring, whatever. Um, I mean, I think I do that. I think people ask me and I'm just like, Oh, I'm just working on stuff. Like I don't ever actually think about that as an opportunity to communicate. No, here's what's, here's what's going on. Um, I like that. I think that's, I think that's pretty, I think that is, I think that's cool. I think that's and, really, and really cool. You really want to do that when you respond to clients because you want to position your organization as understanding their business. You want to say, you know, we're working on this new product or, you know, this new service and here's why it's what key problems it solves. And this is the outcome that, that will serve you when we get it done. And then you, you're perceived as a leader in your field, in your industry. So that's a key, key kind of answer you want to give to clients when they ask you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, for sure. I mean, for for sure with that. So um, I'm going to I'm going to dance around here because, you know, communicate like a leader is the topic is the title of the book. But you talk about all different types of communication and all. And it's not just for leaders. It's it's all different kind of places. Um, And one of the things that. I thought was kind of an interesting concept is you talk about spray painting on social media and obviously social media has been such a hot, is such a hot issue and it's especially becoming a big deal corporately to go, okay, now all of our employees each have their own outlet for saying various things. So what, what is, what is spray painting that, that phrase you call spray painting on social media? What does that mean? Well, if you were going to paint your house, you don't just go get a spray gun and let me paint a little bit on the back of the house and a little bit on the front of the house and a little bit here in the kitchen area. And maybe I'll come inside and paint a room before I get too tired. That's what people sometimes, though, do on social media. They don't really have a strategy. What am I trying to do? So they make do a few posts on Facebook and they send out a few tweets and they do some things on Google+. Google Plus. You need to have a strategy. What am I trying to do with my social media? Are my, am I trying to drive people to my own website? Do I want them to read my blog and then sign up for my e-zine? What is your strategy? And then based on that strategy, do I want people to always sign up for my podcast? Is that what I'm trying to get them to do? Do I want them to get a sample product and try it? And then if that's the goal... How do I use social media to get them to come to the website and try this sample product or sign up for appointments, etc.? Get the strategy and then decide what channels that you want. Do you only want to be on Facebook? Do you only want to be uh, and use Twitter? Usually just one or two of those platforms do you want to get on and master those. Once you decide what one or two platforms, master those, know what you're doing there, and then be consistent on those consistently with a message that is about what you're doing and and then engage people there listen to what they're saying and talk back and and build your relationships there that's that's what i'm talking about rather than just having an ad ad hoc whatever i feel like that day that's spray painting and you don't want to do it just a bunch of random posting about random you know unconnected stuff yeah i think i think that definitely I think that definitely happens a lot and it's easy to do it because it's kind of the, you know, that's kind of the flow of social media in general. It's just like, you know, a bunch of people posting random stuff about random, a random, um, 
random kinds of random kinds of things. So now you you do want to make a personal connection. So if you're using Facebook, for example, you you do say something personally so they get to know you. But in general, you don't want to just, you know, you you're posting something about your product and then all of a sudden you're talking about something that's just totally off. But even that's strategic. Even like what you're saying, like you're you're posting something personally, but you're doing it intentionally to sort of balance out the the flow of content there. Yes. Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Well, and I think, um, you know, each of these different areas, like you're talking about, okay, why are we micromanaging? And then how are we communicating with our colleagues? And what are we saying on social media? Um, You also get into uh, the this, there's a conversation about uh, millennials and communicating with millennials. So that's another sort of hot, topic and you touch on it a little bit here in in terms of um, you present the expectation that there's this expectation that millennials have that they expect their bosses to be great mentors. And the, I think this is a tricky, this is a challenging thing, right? Because you go, okay, as a leader, there's so much to do. There's so much to keep up with. I mean, even in this conversation alone, we're talking about all these various things you have to be keeping track of. And then you're saying that millennials have an expectation that in addition to all that, we, their bosses should be mentors, which I think in general, people kind of think that a boss should be a mentor, but how do you, how do leaders incorporate, how do we deal with that, you know, that challenge or that requirement? Well, and of course, managers at all stages of life are thinking, that's just one more thing I have to add to my to-do list. But I think that in general, people now have to take responsibility for their own career development. It's not another thing that you add to your to-do list, no matter what age. What you can do as a leader, no matter your age, is to help people understand that they are accountable for their own career development. If you're a salesperson out there, you're responsible for your own development. But the way you can do that is to always let your your manager, whoever you're reporting to, understand that you know you're responsible, but look for opportunities to catch what I call in the book, mentoring moments. And as a leader, it doesn't have to be a, a 30-minute session. You don't have to send somebody, invest money necessarily and send somebody away for a two-day class. Here's how it happens. Let's say you're about to make a call to an important client and you're going to tell them that um, the price is going to go up or you're making a decision to switch your policy with them. Just let's say you call, you have a key person you want to mentor and you want to invest in their career. You might just say, Carla, I'm about to make a call to so-and-so, uh, such-and-such client. Would you step into my office? I'd like for you to hear this call just for your background. Carla steps into your office, and you make that call, and she's listening. She, Carla will understand you are investing in her career growth. She will appreciate that investment. As you're walking to lunch, you might say, Tim, uh, are you eating over in the cafeteria? Why don't you walk to lunch with me? I want you to. I want to explain to you why I made the decision to do X. Those are mentoring moments. And if you are on the receiving end of those, you might just say, John, would you, or Joanna, would you explain to me why we made the change on the pricing policy about such and such? I'd like to learn 
and you're not taking any extra time, it's on the way to a meeting. It's five minutes after you're leaving a meeting and walking to back to the car after you've met with a client. Those are mentoring moments. You're you're letting your your boss know, your your sales manager know, I'm interested in this. I want to grow in my career. And then when you have a, a marketing meeting or a sales meeting, as a leader, you can say, I'm listening to such and such podcast. I found it very helpful. Are all of you registered for that? Have you signed up for that? I found it very helpful. You could take 10 minutes at the beginning of a sales meeting and say, here's the You've most- got to listen to the Action Catalyst podcast. That's what you tell everybody. <laughs> Have yes. you listened to the Action Catalyst podcast? What are you doing if you haven't done that? Right. You can, you can ask them. Every week, I want you to bring one new article you've read, one new book you've read, one new link to share with the group, one new tip you've learned out of a podcast or just share the name of a podcast that you're now listening to. And that is, those are all mentoring things, career investment things. And then just in casual conversation, ask people, has your situation changed? Have your career goals changed? Because you may know where somebody wants to go in their career, how they want to invest their career path, but things change. Uh, spouses change jobs. Uh, their family situations change. Their, el- their elderly parents have different needs. They may want to decide in five years they're going to move across the country and just Asking those questions in casual conversation. Let somebody know you're interested in their career path. And those are all opportunities for mentoring and growth that shows that you care as a leader. And on the other end, as the recipient who's being or wants mentoring, let's, let's your leader know that you are interested. Yeah. So for those of you that are listening, what I'm what I'm doing here is I'm trying to dance Diana all through these different sections of her book about communicating when it comes to managing people, right? Or or not, you know, micromanaging, not doing that. Then communicating with your clients and your colleagues when people ask you what are you working on. Then communicating on social. Then communicating with mentoring. Um, there's two other quick areas that I want to talk about. Um, one is with firing people. Okay. So this is another area of communication. Um, you say this phrase really caught my attention. Fire people to be fair. Fire people to be fair. What does that mean? Well, we all I, now. I, you know, I I d- debated long and hard when I was writing "Communicate Like a Leader" to say, do I want that negative message in the table of contents when you look at that book? And I decided yes, because I think everybody can think of a time when they were having to pull somebody else on the team along. They were doing extra work because somebody else wasn't pulling their own weight. And that's basically what I mean. You have to be fair to other people because they know when their colleague is not is not performing well. And if you as a leader let that go on, you are damaging the morale of the entire group and the entire team. Mm. And you're actually not being fair to the person who's not, who is a poor performer because it's like they're tense. They're waiting for the ax to fall. They know they're not meeting the metrics. They know they're not meeting their sales quota. They know they're not servicing that client well. And they're just waiting, waiting, waiting. When, when are they going to pull the plug on me? And you are helping them get on to be successful somewhere else. And if you think about it like that, it will help you it will help you counsel them to say you need to move on and be successful somewhere else. And so no, if you have a heart of stone, 
it's going to be easy for you. For everybody else who, who has a good heart, which most people do, it is a tough conversation. But basically, if you think of it that way, you are, you are helping keep the morale high of all of your other good performers there to just help that person who's not performing well go on because you're, if the productivity of everyone is going to suffer, the whole organization is going to suffer because of that poor performer. There, there's mistakes. There's rework in addition to the morale problem. And that poor performer is stressed. Your rework, I mean, excuse me, your stress level is high as the supervisor. So help them move on. Yeah, we're, we're fans of uh, helping people be successful somewhere else, which is Subway sounds kind of like a weird lip service, but it's actually really, really true because if they're being negative, it's because they're not, they're not in the right soil and it really does help, you know, everybody not, else. Plus happy. it helps that person. Yeah. They're not happy. They're not happy. No. Um, okay. So one last little area and then I have one other thing to ask you after that, but th- so, okay. So next area, um, so we've talked about managing, we've talked about communicating with clients and colleagues, social media, uh, millennials and mentoring, firing people. Last little area I want to ask you about specifically is communicating with the C-suite. So whether you're a salesperson selling to the C-suite or maybe you're a mid-level manager or leader who's communicating with the C-suite, uh, or, you know, maybe you're a, I mean, who knows? There's a, there's a number of different reasons why you might interface with C-suite people. What do we need to know about communicating with um, C-level officers? You've got to be brief. That's one key thing. Mm. And you've got to think long-term. Their attention span, you, you, you can't get down in the weeds. And so we are always teaching them a format to speak directly to answer the question. We call it the SEER format, or I have another one called the LEAD format to summarize, elaborate, give an illustration, example, and then restate. That helps them prepare to respond directly. That's the most difficult thing. And they can learn to do it. Summarize, summarize, elaborate. Give an anecdote or an illustration. Uh, an oh. example, the, e, the second E stands for an example, and then restate. And if they can learn that format for responding on their feet, they will be in much better shape in the C-suite. But it also involves personal presence. In fact, I've written a whole book called Creating Personal Presence that tells them 20 things they need to do to increase their personal presence because that gives them credibility and authority when they walk into the C-suite. There's, there's an entirely different way to organize information when they go into the C-suite. It's just, it's a whole different way of thinking than when you're communicating at the mid-management level. Right. Um, okay. So I have one final question. Before that, Diana, where do you want people to go to connect with you and learn more about you if they want to learn about Communicate Like a Leader or just some of your other work? They can go to the book website, Communicate Like a Leader book dot com or my personal email is diana with two n's d-i-a-n-n-a dot booer and that's like boo her except i hope they don't booer <laughs> at booerresearch.com diana dot booer at booerresearch.com uh-huh fantastic well we'll put some we'll put some links over to that in the uh in the show notes um all right so the last little question that i have for you is being that we have 
um, talked about all these different areas. So we talked about micromanaging and why people do that is because they haven't really developed their leadership potential. We talked about when clients and colleagues ask you, what are you working on? You gave us a little formula for that. We talked about communicating on social media. You shouldn't be spray painting uh, with millennials and mentoring them, incorporating that communication on part of the journey firing people, sort of being direct with them and looking out for everyone else. And then with the C-suite, sort of being brief and strategic and having the SEER formula. All of those are different sort of environments that we communicate in. And so this is what I wanted to kind of wrap up with is, you know, whether it's on social or whether it's with a a millennial that you're mentoring or whether it's somebody you're managing or whether it's a a customer asking you a question or whether you're firing somebody or C-suite, there's all these different little environments. If you had to say what the what is the the thing that is in common because you've given us advice about how to do each one of those that's really practical. What do you think is the common thread among all of them? Um, in other words, no matter how the environment changes, um, what would you say is this is all of the communication in each of these different environments? It always has this in in common. I think the basic business act is communication and what they have in common leadership the essence of leadership is communication and that is one-on-one integrity when you say something you absolutely do it and you are genuine about doing it if you fail to follow through on what you say everything else goes away well, there you have it, friends. Communicate Like a Leader is the title of the book. Diana Boer is the author. Uh, you'll have to look at that for that specific title since she has written 47 books um, and uh, all very, very practical, um, uh, although I've not read all of them, um, but very, very practical. And uh, we'll put a link to that, Diana, uh, directly to the website. Thank you so much for just teaching uh, actionable ideas here related to communication, leadership, uh, conflict presentation skills, uh, so so many of these different practical skills that make the, the workplace a, a better place to be. Thank you. It's great to be with you. I think your ability to lead and the likelihood that your influence will expand is directly proportionate to your ability to be a better communicator, right? I mean, you hear people talk about it. You, you, you have to be a great communicator. And when I was listening to Diana and I went back and and listened to and thought through kind of the interview, um, I was trying to boil this down into a, into something that I could walk away with, you know, to, to use moving forward. And, and she has so much wisdom and so much knowledge. And as I was thinking through all of these different scenarios that we talked through, which was kind of, kind of cool, right. To hit all these different specific scenarios of business, all the different ways that we engage either with people we're managing, people that we're, uh, you know, customers that we're serving, uh, you know, marketing on social media, people that we're mentoring, people that we're firing, people that are above us. It was almost like we went like 360 degrees, all these different scenarios in which you communicate. And I was listening for the themes, for the recurring patterns in each of those different scenarios. And um, 
I, I came up with a little checklist, mostly just for my own use uh, in terms of applying this, and I'm going to just go ahead and share it with you here, which I think are, are really powerful. And, and these are six elements of great communication, and I'm going to share with you the six, and then I'm also going to connect this to a very exciting announcement, which is that the brand new Southwestern Consulting rebrand is finally live. We have finally launched our new website, uh, which is so exciting. I would encourage you to check out southwesternconsulting.com. We have a fully uh, seamlessly integrated brand. We're going to be moving all of our other speakers over and we're creating um, new, we're creating websites for every single one of our coaches and consultants and speakers. And it's been, it's been over three years, but it's been specifically a three-year journey that we have worked on a new identity, a visual identity, um, you know, sort of codifying the essence of our brand and brand promise and strategy, then creating sort of the graphic design, the look, uh, and then rolling that out into all of our printed materials. And actually, it's the website that is the last thing to kind of go live, which went live, um, those of you that are listening uh, promptly here as these episodes come out. The website just went live less than a week ago. And so it's very exciting. And it was it was timely because as I was listening to Diana, um, I was thinking about how simple this checklist is of these six things, but how hard it is to do in all actuality. So um, I'm going to go through this this list, which hopefully you can take and, and make it, you know, you can put it into action in your various types of communication because these expand or they expand across all or they apply to all different communication mediums, whether it's, I think, written, verbal, whether it's on social media, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a book, whether it's a speech, whether it's commercial. And I think these are six sort of universal elements of great communication. Um, so the first one, well, here, I'm going to give you all six. I'm going to give you all six up, up, up front. Um, the first one is uh, well, no, I'm going to walk you through. So number one is clear. So it must be clear. That is maybe, it's not the most important, but it's pretty dang close. You have to be absolutely clear, no matter what you're communicating. Every book that, that we write can be boiled down to one sentence, and it that's the message. And if you're not clear about the message, then it allows for confusion to set in all throughout the rest of the medium, all throughout the book, right? Or all throughout the speech. Like, it has to be clear. That is the first of the six elements. The second one... Uh, the second element of all great communication is it must be concise. It must be concise. The, the shorter, uh, right? It's like shorter is better. Um, the the amount, our, our ability to comprehend is often inversely proportionate to the number of words it's it sort of takes to explain it. And, uh, you know, Brevity is the essence of of wit. I think brevity is also that I think that's a Shakespeare quote. Brevity is the essence of of wit. Brevity, I think, is also the essence of wisdom. And if you can't say it concisely, then maybe you need to think about it a little longer until you can. So con- being concise is number two. Number three is being consistent. Being consistent when you're communicating is consistently reinforcing the same things over and over again. So you want to be consistent and reinforce the same 
core messages over and over and over. You know, being a great communicator is not just about having one clear speech at the annual meeting. It's about being consistent all year long in every single meeting that you have. And when we've we've talked about the creed in the past and how, you know, when companies create these vision statements in these these powerful we call them creeds and that's what ours is called and that's what we help companies create you know our consulting clients we help them create creeds is they can't just be a piece of paper that you stuff in a drawer it has to be you have to create mechanisms in the business that reinforce those principles over and over and over again and people have to review the creed regularly and we have to cite it whenever there's a difficult decision or wherever there's a change that needs to be made that's part of the reinforced consistency which is integral to great communication so those are the first three clear uh, you know clarity or clear concise and consistent Clear, concise, and consistent. Uh, so those are three C's. Now, the next three are all S's. So uh, the fourth one is strategic. And you heard Diana hit this, and, and that word is, uh, if I know you can't see it, but on in the subtitle of her book, strategic is the big, big word. It's, it's in big, bold letters. And when I think strategic, you heard her say this, it's about long-term. When you communicate you know, strategic communication is about communicating from a place of what is the value in the long term, not just communicating things as they matter now, but as they matter later and as they matter in the future. And both being strategic in what you say because of the impact it will have in the future, but also being strategic in terms of the 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 paradigm in which you communicate should always be sort of with that long-term focus. So you want to be strategic. Number five is great communication is always straightforward. Now, the straightforward is about integrity, honesty, accuracy, trust, professionalism. So the the delineation, clarity is is clear. It means there's no chance for misunderstanding. But straightforward is more like it's ethical, right? And it's, it is honest, it's accurate, it's trustworthy. And you heard her talk with that last question at the end where I said, what is the one thing that all of these scenarios have in common? She said, integrity. I would classify that here under being straightforward. That people, there should be, they, there should be no misrepresentation at all in your communication. And that is a core essential element of great communication. And then number six, the last one, is it should be servant-minded. It should be servant-minded. In other words, it should be useful to the listener. It should have, when you communicate, you should always communicate in terms of the benefit of the receiver. Right, So for you listening right now, the benefit of this checklist is hopefully that you'd be able to take this and run every web page that you create through this checklist and go, okay, is it clear? Is it concise? Is it consistent? Is it strategic? Is it straightforward? And is it servant-minded? Um, it, you know, Whether it's a, a marketing you know, collateral piece, it's a website, it's a demo video, it's a speech, it's a, it's a PowerPoint deck. It's, it's that no matter what medium or mode of communication, it pretty much has to pass this litmus test of these six things if you want it to be effective. And the more effective you are communicating, the 
better the likelihood that you're going to grow and develop influence and become more of a leader and be trusted with more and more influence. So I think of servant-minded is is another way you could say that is it's very selfless. It's not so much about communicating what you want to say. It's communicating what is the value to the listener. How do you take your message and make it useful to them? What is the personal benefit? And, you know, this is hard, hard, hard to do. And that's what our team at Southwestern Consulting um, has been working on for three years was how do we communicate, you know, what do we do as a company and what do we believe in but how do we make sure it's clear, it's concise, um, you know, consistency is, you know, basically that we're going to have to, that's a yet to be told that happens over time, but it has to be strategic. It has to be straightforward and it has to be servant minded. And, um, you know, so I'm going to share with you our, 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 our brand promise and the tagline that we've come up over the years. And if you go to southwesternconsulting.com, you'll see the new brand and you'll see the new website. You'll also see a little movie trailer, uh, which is kind of two minutes about, um, you know, kind of explains all this. But what we've learned from customers over the years is that there's a very specific reason why people choose us instead of their competitors. And they've helped us understand. And one of the very first things we did in this journey was go out and interview all of our customers and hear what they had to say that while we do help them grow revenues, we do help them increase sales, we do help them recruit and build salespeople, right? We do help them achieve their goals in life. That's what we do. And Southwestern Consulting is specifically in the realm of sales coaching, like one-on-one sales coaching is our core business and sales consulting. And then, you know, speaking and books and products and webinars and all these other things are sort of related to that. Um, there's something more that we do that makes us different. And and our customers would say things like, you don't just teach us how to, you don't just teach people how to sell more, you teach people how to sell better. You teach people a different way of selling. Um, you teach people how to sell ethically and honestly and without shortcuts. You teach salespeople how to be better listeners and not just better talkers. You teach salespeople how to be more service-minded and not just stronger closers. You teach salespeople how to take pressure off of their prospects, not push, uh, put more pressure on them. And it was really telling to talk and interview our clients and go through this journey. And it's true because we realized that, yeah, we, we do care about teaching people how to sell more. I mean, that's the core of what we do. It's part of our value proposition, but we also care just as much about teaching them to do it the right way. And that's because we want the world to think about selling as one of the most honorable professions there is, not just as a job, but as a, as a career, as a, as a profession, you know, we love sales. We love salespeople. We are salespeople. And we think that there's there's almost a higher purpose that you can serve by being in sales and by serving other people. And so we don't just teach you how to grow your revenues or increase your income. We help you elevate sales. We help you elevate sales. So that is the new moniker, uh, brand promise, and tagline for Southwestern Consulting, Elevate Sales. Um, you'll see that at southwesternconsulting.com. And uh, of course, this podcast is not just for salespeople, but for anybody who needs to take action in their life. But as our team at Southwestern Consulting, uh, that's what we do. We elevate sales. And and so hopefully that is clear and concise. Hopefully we'll be able to make it consistent. Uh, hopefully it talks a little bit about the strategic, you know, long-term value or benefit and that it's straightforward and also servant-minded. So uh, we want to encourage you to go out and elevate your sales if you are in any type of sales at all. And uh, 
But regardless of if you're in sales, uh, being a great communicator is being, being a great leader means being a great communicator. And hopefully these six elements will help you make that happen. So go out, elevate sales, be a better communicator, be a better leader. Thanks for tuning in. Well, that about wraps up the Action Catalyst podcast for this week. If you haven't yet, please log in to whatever your favorite medium is to listen to the show and both rate this podcast and leave a comment as that helps new prospective listeners determine if the show's really a good fit for them. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and screenshot this episode to share with your friends on social media. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst and subscribe to our video podcast on YouTube. Thanks for listening.